Eagles Entertainment. With the 13th pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select... You're listening to the Journey to the Draft Podcast. Welcome to the Journey of the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. I'm your host, Fran Duffy, and the bowl season is here. It is time to talk about postseason college football. We've got a few games to break down, and we'll hand out some game balls. We've got our one-play takeaways, but we've got plenty of news to get through, and it starts off with Saturday scouting. Dane Brugler is here to once again react to that first weekend of bowl season, but also talk through underclassmen news and senior bowl news and shrine bowl news. We'll do all of that with Dane at the top of the show. We've got a question for you at home in our draft mailbag as well. Before we we get there though we want to make sure you head on over to our apple podcast page that is the number one way to, to reach us that is the number one way to throw us your support it's the holiday season it's the season of giving give us your support by heading over to apple Podcasts or stitcher or spotify leave us a rating leave us a comment it helps us boost the show up in the the rankings for other people that are looking for nfl draft podcasts but then also help us help you if you've got a question a mock draft you want us to break down player rankings you want us to sort through players that you want drafted by your favorite team whatever it is Leave it there in the comment section on Apple Podcasts. We will get back to you here in an upcoming segment. Appreciate everybody that has done that in recent weeks. That said, let's get to Dane Brugler. It's time now for Saturday Scouting. It's time for Saturday Scouting. All right, well, joining us here for Saturday Scouting is my friend Dane Brugler to take us through uh, the latest news surrounding the NFL draft. And, Dane, before we get into what we saw this weekend in the bowl games and the latest news surrounding the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Bowl, let's get into some underclassmen announcements because some blue-chip players uh, making their intentions known for the 2023 NFL draft. We will start at the wide receiver position where Jalen Hyatt from Tennessee, one of the players that really helped his stock with the way he played this fall, was extremely productive in that high-flying Tennessee offense. He has declared for this draft. Uh, at the end of the day, do you think this is a round one player or more of a day two player? How do you ultimately think it shakes out there for Jalen Hyatt? Right now, I'd probably put it 50-50 about whether or not he you know, gets into that first round or if he is early day two. I mean, we saw a guy like like Christian Watson, you know, who is, when you think about size, when you think about speed, you think about maybe being a little raw, uh, running the full route tree, um, and Jalen Hyatt is very similar with Christian Watson in a lot of those areas, except he has much better ball skills than Christian Watson has. So, uh, plus he's a lot younger. So, and, and he played in the SEC compared to, uh, you know, the FCS. So I, I, and Christian Watson almost went in the first round. He went very early in the second. Uh, when you think about what he offers and how teams are looking for fireworks on offense, I, there's a good bet. He ends up going, uh, in the first round, there, there's so much to like about him. He led the country this year in catches of 30 plus yards, led the country in 40 plus yard catches, 50 plus yard catches, 60 plus yard catches. Uh, so I, I mean, this guy is a big time playmaker. He can win up and down the field. Uh, there's just, there's a lot to like about him. Uh, no, I, even though my vote would have went to Marvin Harrison jr. I have no issues with him winning the Blitnikoff award this year. All right, let's go to another dynamic wide receiver, made his intentions known for this draft, and that's Raheem Jarrett uh, from Maryland going up to the Big Ten. Uh, that was a talented receiving core. You know, Dante Demas coming back from the injury, mm-hmm. not quite what he had been in the past. Uh, they got Jacob Copeland, another former top recruit, but uh, Raheem Jarrett is a guy that NFL scouts have been very high on over these last couple of years. Yeah, Maryland native who, uh, not necessarily the biggest. I mean, he'll probably come in right around six foot, right around 195 pounds. 
Um, but he's a twitchy guy, twitchy mover. And so, uh, you know, still a young player should test pretty well. Um, I, I if you, you mentioned it with, with Demas and, you know, with his knee injuries, you know, it's, it's any guess, um, when he'll be drafted, if he'll be drafted at all, um, you know, Co- Copeland's in there, but, you know, I, I do think that, um, uh, you know, with, uh, with Jared, he is the top receiver in that group and, you know, has a chance to go probably somewhere in the top four rounds. I, I would guess that'd okay. be my early, uh, prediction on him. I don't know. He's necessarily a day two lock top 100 lock. But probably somewhere in the top four rounds is where I think he's uh, he's pegged to go. Yeah, I did him over the summer, and I did really like what I saw from him. He had some dynamic qualities to the way that he was able uh, to get in and out of breaks. You know, mentioned not the biggest at six foot one ninety, but uh, he's got really good speed. Um, faced a decent amount of press coverage and showed the ability to win early in the down, which I always like. Um, the, the guy that can line up inside outside. I'm excited to dig into it uh, more from this year as well. Um, but this is a guy I, I was really high on uh, coming into the season. Now uh, a couple couple of players that are in pretty much every single mock draft. So universally viewed by the media as first round talents. We'll start with left tackle Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern. Uh, there are some, including yourself, myself as well, uh, I feel like he might be better suited to guard, but uh, can play guard or tackle in theory moving to the next level has been a left tackle only for the Wildcats. Yeah, I think Peter Skaronsky is going to be drafted somewhere between 3 and 20, which I understand is wow. a pretty you know, wide margin, but it's because of the tackle guard conversation. And a lot of teams um, are just automatically going to move in the guard, 32 and a half inch arms, maybe even smaller or shorter than that. Um, and that's an automatic move for a lot of teams. Some are going to be a little bullish about him staying outside and saying, you know, we'll let him fail there before we move him. Um, I just, but regardless, you're getting a player that's uh, plug and play and is going to make your offensive line better. Um, he's, he plays so smart and so quick, his ability to reposition his hands, uh, and his feet and his eyes, uh, mid engagement is so, so impressive. Um, you know, so just mentally, physically checks a lot of boxes. He just is not a very long player. And, and so, um, he's going to be drafted, um, somewhere in the top 20 and he's going to make that offensive line immediately better it's just a matter of where he lines up inside outside uh, on Sundays I I wanted to see him get stronger coming into this year I felt like he got rocked back on first contact a little bit too often when I did his tape from 2021 over the summer Um, I think he did get a little bit stronger uh, which has been good Mm -hmm. just watching the the, this year's stuff Um, so I'm excited to see even more of him moving down in the future another guy who's kind of in that same real real quick uh, trading uh, notes with our buddy Brandon Thorne about Skaronsky he comped him to Joe Tooney, which was interesting. interesting you know, Tooney, yeah. uh, you know, was a left tackle at NC State. Yep. So, uh, you know, it, but also had the experience elsewhere. Not the longest player, not the biggest player. Yeah. You know, there, it had some limitations, but, you know, he's just been a, a really good pro since he came into the league and, you know, one of the highest paid um, yeah, guards in the NFL. So I thought that, that that did make some sense. And an early day three pick, uh, keep in mind, not, not a guy that yeah. was viewed as a, a blue chip player. And, and so when you're talking about a player that could go potentially between three and 20 versus what Tooney was, and he was a, he was a shrine bowl guy, uh, a shrine game guy back when he came out. Um, that's a, that's an interesting comparison. I definitely could see that. I really like that comp, uh, from Brandon for Peter Skaronsky. Uh, another player though, that is in that same kind of discussion as a mid first round, late first round type of talent linebacker, Trent, Simpson from Clemson, 6'3", 240 pounds. So outstanding size, but also outstanding athleticism is lined up all over the defense for them. Um, what do you think? What are your thoughts uh, on uh, Trenton Simpson? 
Yeah, I was super high on him coming into the year. I think he was like my number six player back in August. Um, I don't think he quite lived up to that, but still, this is this is a first round player all day. Uh, son of an Army Ranger, uh, and, and you know he, he plays with that type of discipline. Um, but the athletic traits—that's that, why we're talking about him as a first round player. Uh, and it doesn't matter if you want him, you know, downhill. You want him in reverse. You want him, uh, you know, mirroring the run outside of the perimeter. Uh, he, he has physical hands, so he can work off contact. He's not just a speed guy, a rangy guy, uh, but that is, I think, what is the main selling point. He, he's a really explosive player, uh, both in space and then into contact as a tackler. Um, I, I really, you know, he's not Micah Parsons, but I would love to use him in that type of role where you are using him downhill at times and off the edge and uh, that closing burst that he has. Um, you know, he, like I said, that physicality with his hands, he can go through blockers. So he's not just a, a run and chase type of linebacker. He has a little more to him. And so not Micah Parsons, but I'd still like to see him in that type of role and see what kind of havoc he could create. Yeah, he's been a pretty productive as a blitzer throughout his career. And so that's something at 6'3", 240, like that's not out of the question in terms of using him yeah. off the edge uh, at that size. I, I had not thought about that before, but I could see that as a projectable path for him. Um, Garrett Williams, Syracuse, cornerback. I have not studied Garrett Williams yet. He's, he is, will appear in... In some mock drafts, the back end of round one. What are your thoughts on Williams and his prospects moving forward to the NFL? Yeah, I, I never really saw him as a round one player per se, but I thought, you know, somewhere second round, I, that that does make sense. But, you know, he had the ACL tear, uh, you know, but October. And so that kind of throws a wrench in things. Um, you know, the rehab, I think obviously he heard good news or maybe he doesn't come out and enter the draft. So at the combine, that'll obviously be a big step for him, just for teams to better understand. Okay, what's uh, what's the rehab looking like? Is everything progressing well? And as long as the medical feedback is positive, you know Garrett Williams is still probably going to be somewhere in the top three or four rounds um, on the field. On the, you know on the tape, you see speed, you see footwork. Uh, he's a very aware player. Uh, he's a he's a guy that will you know, routinely return his eyes to the quarterback, uh, doesn't lose sight of the football. Um, I I like his, uh, how he'll get busy in the run game. Um, So there's a lot of things that, you know, you check the boxes uh, that, you know, says he he can be a starter at the next level. But again, that knee injury, that'll be a major, uh, you know, kind of a box to check when uh, teams go to the combine, look at Garrett Williams. All right, well, let's get to uh, the Senior Bowl. Five names announced over the weekends, just over these last few days, and we'll start uh, none bigger, literally and figuratively, than Ohio State tackle uh, Dewan Jones, who is just a mammoth human being uh, playing the right tackle spot for Ohio State. He's heading down to Mobile, Dane. I I know he's had a good senior year. What are your thoughts on where he's going to end up slotted here in this draft? I feel like I'm higher on Dewan Jones than pretty much everybody else, and I I could end up being wrong. It's it's usually I stay away from uh, guys that are just this big because, uh, you know, I just prefer guys with better functional mobility. Um, But with Dewan Jones, he's so freakishly big. He's huge. Okay. Six, eight and a half, 370 pounds. His wingspan is unheard of. Okay. I mean, it's, I think we mentioned it before, but our our Minnesota tackle last year um, uh, went to the Ravens. Uh, I'm blanking on his name from Australia. Uh, Daniel Falele. 
Yes, he had like 85 inch wingspan. Okay, this monster human being at 85 inch wingspan, Dewan Jones has over 89 inch wingspan. Largest of um, any tackle draft a, in the last decade. Yes, it, it's unheard of. Um, and 36 and an eighth inch uh, arms. The hands are 11 and five eighths, uh, which is unbelievable. Also larger and than any tackle playing, draft in the last 10 years. The hand size. Uh, yeah, it, it, his and he's playing with such better balance this year on the move, and it's something that. It'll get a lot tougher once he gets to the NFL and, and faces, you know, Von Miller and guys like that. Um, so I, I this is going to be a big step for him at the Senior Bowl to see how he holds up in these one-on-one matchups against speed rushers, uh, you know, guys that can throw different combinations at him. Um, does he still show that same patience and balance? Uh, because once he engulfs you, it's over. I mean, forget about it. But, you know, because he is not the most fleet of foot athlete there could be some cracks in the foundation. So I cannot wait to see him in those one-on-one matchups. It's either going to, based on what I've seen on tape, give me the uh, confidence that he can you know, hold up outside and, and be a starting tackle, or it's going to create a little bit of doubt and it's time to go back to the tape and figure it out. But um, no, I, I'm a big fan of Dewan Jones and I'll be eager to see him down there in Mobile. Easily reminded me of uh, King Dunlap, former Eagles left tackle, and uh, Uh, went on to play with the Chargers for a few years as well after he left here in Philadelphia as a starter. Um, And look, I mean, King Dunlap was a seventh-round pick, outperformed that draft slot without question, uh, became a starting tackle in the league. I I think Dewan Jones could do that. Yes, it's not always pretty from uh, an athletic standpoint, but, I mean, this is a guy that's not like a slug either. He he had D1 basketball offers coming out of high school. Um, So, you know, for, for a guy that big, he does have pretty light feet. And that's, I think, a key part of this, too, is he was always a basketball guy. And it really wasn't until last year that he fully committed to football and said, "Okay, this is my future. I need to be all in. And we saw that improvement from his junior year to his senior year. And this is a guy that just turned 21 in August. So it's not like he's, uh, you know, a much older player. He is a senior, but he just turned 21. And I think there's a lot left. Uh, you know, a lot more learning that he has to do. And so I'm, I'm, I'm bullish on his future and what he could be. So one guy where the light went on very early for him in his career, and that was Clemson defensive tackle Tyler Davis, uh, who came in as a true freshman back in 2019. Remember, that was the year where uh, Clemson, they lost all the, the Christian Wilkins of the world. like those, All those guys, Dexter Lawrence, those guys all moved on, so they needed freshmen to come in and play right away. Tyler Davis answered the bell. I, I believe started every game for them as a true freshman, 13 out of 15 games for them as a true freshman. And that was the year they had like a senior-laden offensive line, and I remember talking with all of those guys guys going through the draft process and they all raved about Tyler Davis uh, in terms of him as a human being and uh, as a from a work ethic standpoint they never really like reached like I would think his full ceiling from what people expected of Mm. him when he first got there I don't know that he got like so much better but still a good player uh, at the college ranks 6'2 291 pounds what are your thoughts overall on Tyler Davis from Clemson well and that's kind of the the question right is he just he is who he is. And like, this is, this is the the peak. This is the ceiling. Um, but you know, you watch throwing the wake forest tape and he is just a tough guy to block uh, the NC state tape uh, as well. I mean, there, there's uh, he flashes almost every single game. Uh, he can get blockers moving in reverse because of that. Uh, the way he pounces out of his, uh, out, out of his stance. Um, I really like how he reads the backfield so he can go hunt screens. Uh, you know, he can make plays away from the line of scrimmage. That backfield vision is a big part of what he does. Uh, and then you see the movements, the body control. So, you know, he can keep his feet versus cut blocks. He can go make plays, flashes a closing burst. The biggest question with him is we don't see defensive tackles with 
the lack of length that he has um, really, I mean, it, it's, it's just a short list of guys that have made it. He has under 31 and a half inch arms. And that's obviously you're, you're at a disadvantage when NFL blockers can uh, attack you and, you know, quickly gain the upper hand. Uh, it's just a much different game than when you're facing ACC centers. So uh, that lack of length is going to be something that could knock him out of the first two days of the draft. Yep. Uh, but it's it's something that, you know, I, I think a lot of what you said is true. And I think he's going to, uh, you know, be able to stick in the NFL because there's, there's, you know, he just doesn't have that huge ceiling. But I think he has a pretty decent floor that you can feel confident about. Let's go. Let's stay in the ACC here and go to the linebacker position. Servasier Dennis from Pitt, uh, senior, going to the Senior Bowl. Uh, Syracuse, New York guy, ended up uh, going with the Pitt Panthers. Um, I, I ended up studying him recently, and I think there are guys mm-hmm. like him in pretty much every draft. So I don't think that there's anything like special yeah. uh, about Servasier Dennis, but uh, I do like the play personality. I really liked his motor, um, and he's not bashful at all about playing downhill. I'm interested to get your thoughts uh, on Dennis overall. Yeah, I, I just love how I mean he covers every. In- of the field yeah. uh the motor the range uh, i mean he is he never shuts it down and, and you know he'll make plays up and down the line of scrimmage he he's a smaller linebacker but he doesn't play like it i mean he he will punch himself out of a, a situation uh quick hands so he can swipe unwind from blocks um explosive downhill blitzer uh like the way he consistently reads his keys stays ahead of cutoffs uh, and, and then as a tackler, I think he's really sound. He, he stays low. Uh, he strikes through his target. So, um, and, and then in coverage, I, I think that, you know, he's a, a smart zone dropper, so he can find passing lanes as well. It's just, he is undersized. And so, uh, if things don't go perfectly for him. He can get eaten up by blockers. Um, if, if the timing isn't exactly right, he can be taken out of the play. He can be bounced out. And so that lack of length does show up. Uh, but like you said, there, we talk about these undersized linebackers almost every year, guys that end up being mid-round picks. And some of them, um, you know, end up hitting. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if uh, if Dennis is one of those guys. Let's go to the secondary, uh, where Darius Rush, the corner from South Carolina, he's a player I actually know nothing about. So you're, you're going to need to enlighten me here on Darius Rush from the Gamecocks. Well, he's a size speed guy, uh, 6'2", 200 pounds, pretty good arm length. I think he's probably going to be around 33-inch arms, um, and, he, and he's above average athlete. Um, you know, I think that he's kind of relies on that athleticism a, a little more than you want to see, and so the technique uh, is – it quickly gets out of rhythm, and, you know, he can find himself either panicking or falling a step behind. But we're talking about a guy that has uh, a lot of ability, and you can't teach that size, that length. And so, but you can teach the the mechanics of playing playing better at the position. So you know he's he's a guy that's probably somewhere in that uh, third round range, fourth round range as a uh, a corner that's got you know a lot of potential, maybe just not quite there yet. And then lastly, the, for the Senior Bowl here, Chris Smith, <clears throat> the safety from Georgia, uh, he announced that he will be heading to the Senior Bowl. What are your thoughts on Chris Smith? Do you, do you feel like he's more like day two, day three? What are we talking about here with the uh, the former Georgia Bulldog? I think because of his, you know, he's not the biggest guy and that, that will hurt him a little bit. Um, you know, some teams will have him as an early day three. I think yeah. some teams will have him in the, in the day two range. So, that, you know, he's got a shot. Um, you know, it's so much fun watching him in that SEC championship game against LSU made so many plays, uh, special teams on, on defense. Um, so, you know, he's another guy that plays bigger than he looks Uh solid tackler, uh, does a really nice job baiting throws and going and making a play. It's just that smallish frame. That'll, that'll be an issue. You know, a lot of teams are 
out on uh, safeties that are under 200 pounds and aren't true nickels like a Brian Branch. And so uh, th- that'll hurt him a little bit. But uh, again, this is a guy that you want in your safety room. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, where you have to draft him to get him. All right, so Shrine Bowl, we, due to time constraints, could not get to a bunch of names with Ben last week. So uh, I saved him for you, Dan, and then we got a little bit, a few more additions to that group. So the way we're going to do it is this. We're going to go kind of position by position. I'll ask you to pick one name from the group. I'll list out the group, uh, and you pick one to dive deep in on, and anything I've got in to add, uh, I will round out the group. So uh, of the three running back fullbacks uh, that were announced for the Shrine Bowl, Jordan Mims from Fresno State, Muhammad Ibrahim from Minnesota, and then fullback Derek Parrish from Houston. Uh, what do you got on, on those three guys? Who, who's one player you want to break down from that group? Well, we got to talk about Ibrahim, I think, right? I mean, he's he's been uh, you know, such a stabilizing uh, offensive force for the Gophers the last few years uh, when he's been healthy. And then when he's not been healthy, it's been pretty noticeable. Um, the contact balance that he plays with, uh, you know, his, his vision is outstanding. Uh, and, and the toughness. I mean, he squares his pads and he will finish consistently. He's got that no nonsense uh, type of run style to him. Now he's slow, painfully slow. Um, you know, not going to run a great forty, and that's something that will um, you know hurt him a little bit in the evaluation process. But uh, you see the vision, you see the plant cut go. Uh, you know, ability. So you know, I, I'm. You know, I understand why he's not going to be a top 100 draft pick, but, you know, somewhere on day three, I think a team's going to get a good bargain with Ibrahim. Uh, for me, I'm going to go Derek Parrish, uh, the Houston fullback. He, he was on the freak list, and this is just an outstanding nugget from our, our friend Bruce Feldman here, Dan. Uh, Parrish won the team the team steak-eating contest back in 2021. He ate 110 ounces of meat in one sitting. You, what? I know, are a barbecue connoisseur. Have you even come close to 110 ounces of meat in one sitting? One sitting. No. What human has? I mean, I don't. That's that's unbelievable. I mean, I, uh, my wife and I just went out a couple weeks ago, and I think I got a, an 18 ounce, and that was pretty big. And I didn't, I didn't eat all of it. I mean, it was it, it was more than I could possibly consume. So that's. That that's unbelievable. Uh, that that's a lot of meat. Uh, Bruce in the freak list did compare him to like a Ben Mason, Patrick Ricard ish type of player. Uh, has played both defensive end and fullback. Some view him as like an H back tight end moving into the league. So uh, Patrick or Derek Parrish is a is a fun player. Um, I would encourage you to go find his bio. Look at look at his neck uh, for the University of Houston. He's a, he's a fun player for sure. So uh, let's now move to the pass catchers too, uh, to be exact here. Wide receiver Jalen Cropper from Fresno State, highly regarded coming into the season. Then tight end. Daniel Barker from Michigan State. Uh, which of those two do you want to hit on? Uh, I'll hit on Cropper. Uh, yep. You know Fresno State. Uh, you know really, uh, uh, you know with uh, Jake Hayner their quarterback, really gave uh, Cropper a chance to shine. Not the biggest guy. Uh, you know he's going to be under six foot, probably under under one hundred ninety pounds. Uh, worked a lot in the slot. That that's kind of his comfort zone uh, is to work in the slot, work in space where he can you you know really tempo his routes. Uh, you know, be that versatile weapon. Um, so, you know, you do see him win short, win middle, win deep. Uh, so when he has, uh, you know, that tempo going and is able to shake defenders, uh, he does a really nice job. So I don't know that he's ever going to be an NFL starter, but this is a guy that can hang on uh, a wide receiver depth chart, no doubt, because of uh, I think how tough he is and how he's able to get open and, and finish catches. 
uh, <clears throat> for Daniel Barker, he's coming from Michigan State this year, but he was previously at Illinois. That, he played there actually last year where he was on the Senior Bowl watch list going into that season, ended up going back to school for an extra year, entered the portal, ended up with the Spartans, uh, had a nice year there. He's a long tight end. He can impact both as a runner or as a uh, receiver and as a blocker, um, but that versatility will certainly help him. Probably more of a backup type moving into the NFL. Four offensive linemen to get through here, Dane. Uh, Boise State's John, John Ajukwu, Chandler Zavala from NC State, Spencer Anderson from Maryland, and then Juice Scruggs, one of my favorite names in this draft, uh, from Penn State, an interior guy. Uh, well, let's go with Juice. Uh, I mean, he has uh, you know versatility to play either guard or center. Uh, you know, projectable body, about 6'3", 315 pounds, over 33-inch arms. So uh, that, that'll uh, translate nicely. I mean, the coaches say really nice things about him in terms of uh, just how smart he is. Um, setting the offensive line, but kind of being the glue of that unit um, and understanding what the defense is doing with different pressure packages. So not necessarily explosive, but, you know, he moves okay. I mean, he moves well enough where he can get into position, win his angles. Um, so, I, you know, I, 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 I think there's something there to, to be a nice depth piece uh, for a, a team looking for that uh, versatility on the interior. Two defensive linemen to get to, one from the Ivy League, Truman Jones from Harvard. Harvard's got a few prospects that I think are worth noting uh, here in this class. So Truman Jones and then Moro Ojomo from Texas. Uh, who do you want to break down from that duo? I've been uh, slamming the table for Ojomo here. Um, you know, it, he's a little uh, overlooked because that Texas defensive line is, they, they do a lot of rotations, you know, most know about Coburn and a couple other guys, but uh, I, I don't think a Jomo gets enough love. He's got really quick feet, uh, pounces well out of his stance. Uh, he can shoot gaps and, and win that way. Or uh, it, I think he's really effective on loops and, and the way that they'll get uh, their uh, the, on the Texas defensive line, get those guys attacking from different angles. So that lateral quickness um, th- that he plays with, he has a lot of things that say, okay, he's going to be, uh, developmental three technique at the next level. And he's still pretty young. Uh, I think he's just 21 years old for a senior. So there's uh, there's upside there. Um, so if I'm looking in the, you know, somewhere in the mid rounds, looking for a developmental three technique, uh, a Jomo definitely is an interesting prospect to keep an eye on. Looking at the back seven here, we've got four linebackers and five DBs. These are the groups that I think provide the most excitement for over the last week for the Shrine Bowl. You have four linebackers. Mm. Uh, Isaiah or Ivan Pace Jr. from Cincinnati is a guy we've talked about. Really, really active, really productive here this year for the Bearcats. Shaka Hayward from Duke. Isaiah Moore from NC State. Both those guys in the ACC have made plays the last couple of years. And then Mohamed Diabate from Utah. We broke him down on the show a couple of weeks ago. A Florida transfer uh, who was impacted as a blitzer in coverage, playing down Hill against the run. He has been a playmaker throughout his career. Of those four, uh, who do you want to give us a little bit more juice on? Well, I mean, it's it's tough with because uh, I, I think you know each one of these guys are, are intriguing, but there's something maybe about them that really clouds their evaluation. Like you know, uh, with Pace uh, out of Cincinnati, how productive was this guy? Uh, you know, in, in in a lot of different ways. Uh, but he's not the biggest, not the fastest. And so like, what, what exactly do you do with him? Diabate is really interesting because a lot of what you just said, he, the way they use him, uh, you know, whether it's as a blitzer, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, just, you know, it's not quite, we're not talking about Devin Lloyd here uh, and what he meant for the Utes. But, you know, it's it, this is a guy that made a big impact. Yeah, I could so, see that from a length and athleticism standpoint. I, I actually haven't even made that connection. That's interesting. 
Well, yeah, because he's what six four, two twenty five. Yeah. I mean, he is a he's a bigger guy, uh, and he runs well. Um, so not quite, uh, you know, in terms of you know, I think the awareness and, and things like that. I think you know, Devin Lloyd was definitely a superior prospect. But uh, with the way they play, the play speed, uh, you know, the way that they uh, you know kind of trust what they see and go and make plays, I you do see a little bit of that. So let's go uh, to the secondary. And again, a few names here that I think people can be excited about here. Three corners. We're going to go with Deshaun Jameson from Texas, athletic player that, that has been on my radar for a couple of years now, talking with people down at that program. They have spoke very highly about Deshaun Jameson. Cameron Brown from Ohio State, a corner that uh, was very high, uh, highly ranked by scouts coming into the season. And then Khalif Hallisey from Western Kentucky. Then you've got two players listed at safety. And I'm very interested about this mm-hmm. here, Dane. Trevious Hodges mm-hmm. Tomlinson from TCU listed as a safety by the Shrine Bowl, has been basically regarded as a corner throughout his career with the Horned Frogs, though an undersized one. Um, still, being listed as a safety is interesting. And then Trey Dean at Florida, he's played everywhere in the secondary. Started as a corner, then moved to the nickel, and then the last two years has played as a deep safety for the Gators. So, interesting group here. Uh, who do you want to talk through uh, a little bit further? Yeah, Cam Brown, he needs a, a big bounce-back game uh, against Georgia. He, he had a tough one against, against Michigan ended up getting hurt and that that was tough so he needs a big bounce back game against uh georgia in the uh college football playoff um but i mean the uh the hodges tomlinson at safety that's gotta be uh maybe a misprint right i mean like he's nothing about his game is really uh maybe as a nickel i could understand like a slot corner but um you know he's really small and and that's the big issue with him he's under five eight under 180 pounds um, you know, really short arms, small hands. He just, he's not a, a big player, but, uh, the speed that he plays with the twitch that he plays with, uh, the physicality that he plays with. I mean, I, I get it from, uh, you know, because he is, a, you know, such a junkyard dog out there. I understand why you'd maybe want to see that at safety, but, but the, the, the size perspective, uh, that that's, that's really uh, going to be a tough thing to overcome at the next level. Yeah. We have to remember that there, it will be NFL coaching staffs, uh, coaching the shrine bowl this mm-hmm. year. It'll be basically what the formula has been for the senior bowl in years past that will now pass to the shrine bowl, uh, here this year. And those staffs have not been announced yet. I don't believe so, Dan. Uh, and so, cause it's usually based off uh, of draft order and who yeah. the, the top returning, uh, staffs are, uh, you, you don't want a, a, st- a new staff that has just been hired. So, uh, that has not been announced yet, but, um, you know, I could see, some team that you play a lot of split safety because there's a lot of overlap between uh, safety and nickel in those kind of schemes. You're going to play a lot of split mm. safety zone. Um, but again, since we don't know who that staff is, it's interesting that he was listed at safety. It's very possible that was a misprint on the tweet, uh, as you mentioned. Um, Trey Dean, I find to be fascinating because unlike yeah. Hodges Tomlinson, this is a big bodied kid who's got that versatility. I still like what I've kind of seen from him uh, at the safety spot mm-hmm. over the last couple of years. I did a couple games earlier this year, talked about him here on the show. Uh, I kind of like Trey Dean uh, and as a more of like a, a role player that kind of fills out the room as opposed to like a, an every down type of player. But uh, I did like Trey Dean. I thought he was an NFL player. And so him going to the Shrine Bowl, uh, not a surprise at all. Uh, that said, uh, you teased uh, some of the, the you know, some of these guys needing an important bowl game here coming up. We got our start uh, to some bowl games here this past weekend. We'll start with our game balls. Who gets your game ball uh, this week here, Dan? So these, these bowl games can be tough because, you know, we do have a lot of opt-outs. That uh, you know changes things based off of how we watched bowl games in the past. But uh, in the New Mexico Bowl, uh, you know that and that was the case where she Rice opted out, no uh, Puka Nakua, uh, Jaron Hall, the quarterback was out. But Blake Freeland, the BYU left tackle, he decided to play and put one more dominant performance on his resume tape. 
307 pounds, 35-inch arms. We've talked about Freeland before, um, how his diverse athletic background has really helped his football development. Terrific on the move. Uh, it's always impressive the way he can swing his hips or get his hands involved from different angles. Uh, just It's a really impressive athlete. Uh, now, leverage will always be a little tricky for him just because of his height. And I think that's why some see him as a you know mid to late round guy. But that there are, I've talked to other evaluators who are buying the potential and, and banking that these issues are fixable and they think he'll be a day two pick and a future NFL starter. So um, it, it's really going to be interesting to track him uh, moving forward. He has accepted a senior bowl invite. So, um, you know, as long as he stays in the pool and goes to the senior bowl, uh, he'll, he'll definitely be a guy like Dewan Jones with a lot on the line during those one-on-one matchups. Uh, for me, let's go with it. You talk about Freeland being a familiar name. I, I think most people listening to this podcast will be familiar with the name Frank Gore. Uh, well, his son, mm-hmm. Frank Gore Jr., who it feels like has been playing college football for like eight years because I remember when he was being recruited. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he's been, he's had a couple of stops along the way, but uh, I would imagine this is his last game, and he goes off uh, in dramatic fashion. 329 rushing yards, uh, which I believe was an FBS bowl game record for an individual player. 19 passing yards. He scored two touchdowns, threw for another. Um, if you didn't see the post- post-game interview clip of him uh, kind of giving his aunt a, a stiff arm as he's doing an interview on camera. That was uh, that was mm-hmm. a, a very funny as well, but uh, a lot of a, a lot of production there for Frank Gore Jr. Huge game for Southern Miss, uh, leading them to a victory there in their bowl game. So, uh, yeah, Frank Gore Jr., familiar name, but we, we will know it here moving forward. Another way, uh, another one here, a one-play takeaway, a play that just stood out to us most from the weekend. Is there one that stuck with you for the first uh, the first handful of bowl games? Jake Hayner, uh, another player mm. who could have opted out, but he wasn't going to miss this last one, especially after he missed a handful of games uh, earlier in the year with an injury. Uh, and there's something poetic about the the Washington transfer finally getting his Apple Cup victory over Washington State. Uh, he had a couple touchdowns in this game, but there was a play right before halftime that really showcased uh, why I'd be banging the table for this guy uh, to, to, to figure out a way to draft him and get him in our quarterback room. It was uh, a Bryce Young-like play where he instinctively negotiates the pass rush, keeps his eyes downfield. Uh, it, it's just a remarkable thing, magical really, breaks the pocket, and then lofts a perfect touch pass uh, to his receiver who takes it all the way inside the 10-yard line. Now, unfortunately, the time ran out. It was halftime. But it was a type of play that really encapsulates uh, his ability to keep plays alive, throw with accuracy. Most times, those are the type of guys that make it. And I absolutely believe Jake Hayner is a make it type of player. Mm. Yeah, he's a guy we've been talking about here on the show for the last uh, year and a half or so. Uh, it's really caught a lot of people's eyes with the way mm. he's finished out his career with Fresno State. Um, this guy has plenty, plenty of experience. For my one play takeaway, I want to talk about a guy who's just finished his first year playing college football. That's Travis Hunter who, if you follow recruiting, was um, a huge name last cycle this past spring. Five-star player, regarded by some as the number one player in the entire country. Wide receiver, cornerback prospect. He was committed to go to Florida State. He was a Florida kid. Well, Deion Sanders got him to flip and go to Jackson State in the FCS this past year. It was huge, huge headlines. Uh, obviously, NIL motivated. There was a lot there. You know, Deion, great, great recruiting crew, coup, uh, getting Travis Hunter to go to Jackson State. Well, pays off in a big, big way. Not only did he have a big year, but he taps it off or ta- caps it off 
with a touchdown catch to tie it up at 34 on the final play against NC Central. It was a go ball down the left sideline. Outstanding finish on the ball in the end zone. Travis Hunter is a name we are probably going to know here in the next few years. We'll see if he stays at Jackson State or if he's going to be making the trip out west uh, to go to Colorado and follow Dion out there. But uh, Travis Hunter, yeah, a name that maybe the recruiting ranking uh, will co- follow him through into, uh, into college here, Dane. I'm pretty sure he just entered the transfer portal. Yeah, so okay. it's so there a matter go. of, yeah, and it's it, now is he an automatic, you know, Colorado next destination or is he going to listen to offers? Because right. uh, that's seems like that's what the transfer portal has become is okay, my name's in there, give me your best offer, and we'll take it from there. So it's just kind of crazy the way college football has changed. So, 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 uh, you know, such a hard left. Uh, over the last few years, <laughs> if you would, if you had said this, like even two years ago, like we would have said, mm-hmm. like that—that's crazy. That, that that this would be where it's, where it is, and there is like a a certain like fun element to it, but it's also just wild to think about. Someone right. who worked in college sports for half a decade it is uh, it is wild to think that that's where we are uh, right now. But it's uh, it is certainly entertaining uh, from the outside, no question about it. Um, last last category yeah. for you here, Dane. Our film room recap. Just a guy uh, we've studied on film recently uh, that you want to bring to the table and talk about more. Who do you want to talk about? Uh, we're getting ready for these uh, college football semifinal games, uh, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State and Georgia. Um, I think one of the more underappreciated senior prospects this year, Dylan Horton, number 98 for TCU, defensive end, uh, a big, uh, impressive build. Uh, I think he's carrying a little too much weight. Uh, he's 6'4". They got him up to 275, 280. He was more last year when I saw um, more in the 255, 260 range, and that you know a little bit of heavier action. I, I think you know held him back a little bit. But this is a guy that plays strong at the point of attack. Uh, blocks do not slow him down. And then even when he is in space, you do see the ability to redirect and you know without um, having to gear down. Um, uh, so I, I, you know, that, that balance helps him make plays in the backfield. Uh, I, I, I'm just a really big fan of, uh, Dylan Horton and what he can be at the next level. Um, I, I think that he's a top 100 pick. I think he's that type of player. Interesting. This is an NFL starter. I, I mean, I hundred percent believe he's an NFL starter. And so, um, if TCU is going to have any shot, you know, to beat Michigan, uh, the, you know, the heavy underdogs. It they, obviously they have to stop the run game um, and it's going to be up to D winters, a linebacker, and then Dylan Horton um, on the edge to, uh, to make plays against uh, the Joe Moore award winning uh, offensive line back-to-back years now um, for Michigan. And so this will be a big test. So look, keep, keep an eye out for number 98 uh, in the college football playoffs. He's a, uh, like I said, a future NFL starter, uh, top 100 pick on, on my board uh, and a guy that doesn't get nearly enough love. Good matchup against another senior bowl player in uh, Ryan Hayes, uh, the left tackle for Michigan. So we'll keep an eye on that uh, in that game. Yeah. Um, for me, you, you know, you remember last year you, you mentioned Christian Watson at the very top of this segment, mm-hmm. and I was very high on Christian Watson coming into the, this past draft cycle. I watched a guy recently that I think is very, very similar, and I'm not the first to make this comparison. Uh, Andre Yoshivas from Princeton, 6'3", 205, uh, came onto the scene in the in the freak list this past year, came in at number 15 on that list via Bruce Feldman. Um, at 6'3", 205, this guy's one of the best track athletes in America. Uh, this is from the freak list. He's got the fastest 60 in heptathlon in, uh, history at 6'7", 1. Uh, just a, that, that speed, that track speed shows up on tape. You see a guy that can absolutely take the top off. He gets the top speed very fast. But he's not just a, uh, oh, he's just a speed demon, just run him down, you know, run him, uh, down the field and that's it. 
he really takes advantage of his size and his frame uh, in multiple phases of his game, both at the catch point and as a blocker. And that's why when I watch Yoshivas, he really does remind me a lot of Christian Watson, who got after people with that North Dakota State run game, who was given the ball on jet sweeps and bubble screens because not only could he run away from people, but he could run through people as well. Uh, I really kind of like what I saw from Yoshivas in a lot of similarities to me with Christian Watson, where a guy that can bully people as a receiver, he can run by you. He's a, a vertical weapon right out of the gate used often on vertical throws and he's got the ability to track over the shoulder he can climb the ladder and attack and win as a ball winner downfield he can I talked about all the gadget stuff that they can do with him very confident hands catcher he'll have a couple focus drops here and there but this is a guy that's always looking to pull it in with his hands he's got to get better as a route runner Uh, he'll tip his quick game stuff he can be a little bit clunky at the top of breaks with his intermediate stuff but I think ultimately when you look at him look the guys that are that big again at 6'3 205 to say like oh he's gonna run low 4-3 Break four three, go four twos. That that those guys mm. don't grow on trees. Uh, so I, I think Yoshivas, mm-hmm. you're looking at day two all day, man. Uh, I that's the way I looked. I thought he was top one hundred all day. Well, the Senior Bowl is going to be really big for him in those one on one matchups because you know unlike uh, you know not that North Dakota State played uh, you know that much better competition, but you know the occasional FBS opponent. Uh, where the Ivy League they don't they don't play FBS teams. Yep. Um, so you know he's. He's going against other Ivy Leaguers, and you know it's still decent competition, but it's it's a big step up compared to what he'll see at the Senior Bowl. So it'll be important for him to play through contact and uh, you know really stand out more than just at the athletic profile. But no, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, with uh, the, you know the, those guys aren't just walking around. Um, you know, he has special athleticism, and as long as he catches the ball well and you know shows the toughness that you need at the position can absolutely understand why, uh, you know, he'd be, uh, you know, snatched up pretty quickly on day two. I'm trying to look at, like, who's the the highest player drafted from the Ivy League in, like, recent memory, um, and I'm struggling to uh, to think about who that could be. Obviously, they've had players go in uh, and stick in the NFL, you know, the Brandon Copelands, the the Justin Watson, certainly J.C. Treader and Ryan Fitzpatrick, Cameron Brait, um, but a lot of those guys were undrafted or, like, or drafted very, very late. Uh, I, I, th- I really do think this guy's got a really good shot at day two, um, which we I guess we have not seen in a while. You know, Foye Olukun, uh, he was a mid-round guy for the Falcons a few years back. Um, I, I, I think, but well, I think you, Yoshua, uh, you, um, man, I'm trying to think like, yeah, Yosha, it's almost, it's, it's kind of funny. Like, who do you think has a chance to get drafted? Like, is it, is it outside of the realm of possibility that Yoshivas gets drafted before Andre Carter? They did play, play different positions, but we've talked about, oh, how long has it been since a service Academy player mm-hmm. has been drafted top 100? Like, I could definitely see a world where Yoshivas goes before Carter. Um, just because Carter, you know, there are questions about him against the run. Uh, how long will it take him to fill out his frame mm-hmm. and, and all that? It's it's going to be interesting. Yoshivas, I think it's going to go earlier than people are talking about right now. Well, that, not that we plan on talking about this necessarily, but that, that's a good segue to everything going on with, uh, uh, you know, the Army and the service academies. Yes. And is, uh, is he even going to be in this uh uh, draft class. I mean, that's something that, you know, we, you know, all of us NFL teams, fans, we need to kind of keep an eye on, um, you know, what happens with a scenario where, uh, you know, there, there's a, apparently a bill that uh, might be signed by the president that says that, uh, you know, you have to honor your service commitment uh, before you, you uh, go into any type of professional, uh, you know, occupation, including professional athletes and what that, uh, could potentially mean for uh, you know, a guy like uh, uh, Andre Carter, who is a going to be a top 100 pick if he's drafted, if he could be drafted. But 
might not be able to. So it's something to watch for. Yeah, it was a congressman in uh, Wisconsin who pushed the, the amendment forward. It's from Mike Gallagher, a, a congressman in in, uh, in Wisconsin. Um, I know Jim Nagy was very outspoken on Twitter uh, this past weekend, saying like, "Yeah, that's re- it's ridiculous." Uh, teams basically expect Carter to, to uh, be in this draft, and uh, he'll be at the Senior Bowl, but. We got to wait until I guess until it's official, official before uh, we jump the gun there. But um, now that's a good point. I, I should well, mention that. I, I, I mean, look, if that's what they want to do, if that, like, I understand, like, it's, it's attending a service academy and you know everything that comes with it. Like, I understand why they'd want to do that, but at the very least, like that has it has to be a um, a postponed amendment. So people that were planning on you know moving on and doing something different they're still able to do so instead of you know at the last hour here uh you know not or preventing them from achieving or you know going after their dream uh, i mean because for all we know uh you know andre carter would have transferred before this year if that was the case or if uh you know I, there's all these different you know scenarios um so I, I think at least a postponement for this amendment so these players know going in that this is part of their commitment. Um, but, you know, it's uh, it's something we'll have to watch and see how it plays out. Certainly will. Well, Dane, this has been great. As always, we will catch up with you. Uh, we're going to take a week off next week uh, with you next week uh, at, for here on the Journey of the Draft podcast. We'll check up with you uh, after the new year here on uh, Saturday Scouting. Thanks, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next year. Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. Great stuff there, as always, from Dane Brugler. Let's now get to a question from our Apple Podcast page. Ryan K823 left a five-star review saying, Fran, I have a comparison for an NFL draft prospect I would like your thoughts on. Hendon Hooker of Tennessee was having a great season before he tore his ACL in November. His play reminds me of Tyrod Taylor coming out of Virginia Tech. Hooker is slightly taller, but both have strong arms and mobility. Even though they have some accuracy concerns, Taylor has had a strong NFL career 11 seasons now. I could see Hooker providing similar value what are your thoughts on hooker's game and this comparison ryan i really like this comparison in a lot of different ways uh, i think that there are going to be questions about what hooker's ultimate ceiling will be uh is he a guy that was a, a fashion of a function of the offense as opposed to uh the individual play obviously he's going to be a little bit older of a prospect some people are going to take issue with that as well i don't think it's out of the question to think that he could have a tyrod taylor career and like you said that is not that is not a bad thing he's been in the nfl for 11 years has been a really good backup or a low-end starter throughout the majority of that career. And so I think if you look at that and say, hey, that's what Hendon Hooker is going to be throughout the course of his career, I agree the skill sets coming out of school are very, very similar. That would be a really interesting comparison. I definitely could see that happening. I think Tyrod was probably a little bit more electric as an athlete. I think Hendon certainly has that creative ability. I think Tyrod had a little bit more juice. I remember him at Virginia Tech, that bowl game, the one that he went out on was a thing of legend. I remember the throw he had rolling to his right along the right sideline. I'm trying to remember who they played. It might have been Marshall. Um, yeah, the, the play he had in that game uh, was it stood out to me. I remember watching that bowl game uh, in my basement. It was just an outstanding throw. Uh, yeah, But he had a great career at Virginia Tech. And Hooker, uh, ironically enough, started his career at Virginia Tech and ended up with Tennessee. But a very, very productive college player um, who can win in a lot of different ways. And uh, I do think that Hooker will have a lot of fans moving through the pre-draft process. The injury is obviously going to put a little bit of a damper on that. But uh, if you told me that that's the career he's going to have moving forward, that would not shock me one bit. So, uh, Ryan, I really appreciate the question. Really appreciate the five-star review. Again, the number one way to reach us here on the show, head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review, leave us a comment with a question, with a mock draft, with player rankings, whatever it is. 
And we will get to it here in an upcoming episode. Really appreciate Ryan. Thanks so much to all of you out there for listening to once again another episode of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand. We'll be back later this week getting ready for another week of bowl action. We've got more guests here on the show. Ross Tucker will be back. Ben Fennell will be back later this week on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by Life Brand.